Go to uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. I'll give you uh, two more mysteries here. Uh, I'll try to close this out for you tonight. If you remain and stand in, just let me give you this passage. In 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. Uh, let's see. Let's pick it up. Let's just pick it up in verse number 2. 2 Thessalonians 2, 2. Uh, that you be not soon shaken in mind or troubled, and neither by spirit nor by word, neither by letter as from us. The day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. Notice the comma. And the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. And now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed for this time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. All right, thank you. You can have a seat there. Now, it's important for you to understand the mystery of iniquity. That's the revelation of the Antichrist. And uh, there's a lot known about the Antichrist already. You say, Preacher, do you believe or do you think that there's a possibility that uh, the Antichrist is alive now? It could be. I don't know if he is or not. I couldn't honestly tell you for sure, but I know this. I know that there's enough known about him that if you pay attention to the Bible that you could say you already know who it is, only you don't know the per personage that he's going to be in. He could come up as Judas Iscariot, for all I know. But the Lord recognized who that was. As a matter of fact, he calls him the son of perdition. So the manifestation of him as the son of perdition is going to show up. And the Lord knows who he is. Notice in verse number 6, something that's important for you to grab. And now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. Now the issue becomes, what is it about the Antichrist that I need to know? It's probably, his name is going to be the son of perdition, and it may in fact be Judas. But you know the spirit of Antichrist, the mystery surrounding him. 666 is his number. The spot is the sign that goes along with him. And that when he comes in, it's either a kiss or a salute, as the old preacher says. And can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard change his spots? And so as a result, probably the mark of the beast will be a spot. That's what it looks like. And then there are certain things, and you can study this from Dr. Ruckman's material and those kind of things about words that end in X and those kind of things. But look, if you will, please, in Acts chapter number 1. And let me just discuss a couple of things with you. Uh, invariably, whenever you hit this passage, people ask, do they believe that the Antichrist is going to be revealed before we go? Well, the first thing you want to recognize is, is that there's a falling away first and there's a comma before the conjunction and. And so that seems to represent, because if you go to Isaiah chapter 61, when you come to verse number 2, there's a comma in that passage right there. It separates 2,000 years, one comma. You go to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, you'll see a comma there, and there's a break between the rapture and the second coming. You go to the first passage here, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and in verse number 1, they got the coming of the Lord coming before the rapture. It's inverted. 
the same way that Ezekiel 38 and 39 are inverted. They inverted them because the Lord will mess you up with that. You want to be real careful when you read things into it. I'm going to just give you some things to think about or some conjecture. The Lord does give you a command to look for the Lord Jesus Christ. He that hath this hope purifieth himself. Uh, he tells you to look up for your redemption draweth nigh. He tells you that it's good for you to be thinking about the second coming of Jesus Christ. But the constant search and research, it could be that the Antichrist gets revealed and that with literally in 10 seconds or 10 minutes or 10 hours or 10 days that all of a sudden the church gets raptured out of here. You shouldn't be concerned about whether or not that's a sign of him showing up. It's a good possibility that you might actually insert the church into part of the tribulation if in fact he doesn't show up and he's known by the entire world as the son of perdition and he's sitting on the throne in Jerusalem. You may not want to say if that's the revelation he's talking about, which does seem to fit the rest of the passage there, that if that's the rest of that passage, you'd have to be around for part of the tribulation to see that transpire. I'm not going to be here for any of the tribulation. You say, but there's a conjunction. Yeah, but there's a comma there. And so the thing you have to do is, is when you hear that, is pause and ponder. It could be. I believe the Bible. I don't have any problem with the Bible. I'm not looking for him. I don't look for him to be named. I believe according to what the old preacher says, and I think it bears a lot of merit. I think when the guy shows up, the whole world wonders after him. Yep. Amen. That Bible says that clearly. He's probably a, a, probably a maphrodite. He's probably male and female. I know he doesn't regard women. I know he's probably a half-breed Syrian Jew. But I can't imagine what has to transpire in the world to make everybody in the entire world wander after one man. That one man has more than the answer to what the COVID problem is. Something has occurred that has created such an environment that this man comes on the scene under flattery and peace and safety and steps up without firing a shot and everybody in the then known world says that's the guy and they immediately follow after him. I can't imagine what that event would be. I'd like to think it might be something worldwide that might be something as great as the rapture. And if the rapture were to take place, just imagine what kind of chaos would be. Imagine if all you people that are here tonight, there's a bunch of you here tonight. Imagine if all you people are driving home and the rapture takes place, just in that small little group of individuals, imagine the chaos. Imagine tomorrow morning when it comes time to go to work or when it came time to missing loved ones and different things like that. Imagine the chaos that it would cause. I mean, it'd be a whole lot greater than just whether or not Ebola crossed the, uh, the, the, uh, the, uh, the border or whether or not somebody flung a nuke at you. I mean, believe it or not, as big as a nuclear weapon is, ladies and gentlemen, it doesn't cause the whole world. It's two factions going at each other. Russia throws one. You throw one. North Korea throws one. South Korea throws one. India, nobody ever talks about. They throw one. Pakistan, they throw one. And then you got it going. But that's not the whole world. It doesn't look like it. It says he comes on peace and flatteries and he steps in there with signs, wonders, and miracles. I don't know what occurred, but some great calamity has occurred and the man steps on the scene and he has the answered and he's worshipped as God. Amen. He sitteth in the temple and calls himself God. He's on the mercy seat between the cherubim. And these Thessalonians, they're worried about it. And he said, the mystery of iniquity doth already work. You say, what? That spirit has been around since the garden. 
Now, I'm not disagreeing, agreeing with anybody. I'm simply saying the benefits of you trying to figure out if it's Gorbachev or you figuring out if it's Ronald Reagan or Obama or if it happens to be, I've heard him say it's Zuckerberg because of his uh, connection with it. The whole world wondering after any one of those guys? Brad Pitt just as well be in the middle of it. Is he still around? <laughs> he married a woman that adopted a bunch of kids. Is he, is he still around? I'm not going to out you. Just, just let me know. I'm all, I'm, okay. I mean, the, the, the singing lady out in law... Do what? They're divorced now. Oh, okay. There goes that illustration. But at any rate... I mean, who, who right now would step on the scene and do what? What would they solve right now? I mean, if all you're looking for is some major calamity to take place... You're not going to be looking for the rapture because the earth's not in a position where it's ready to embrace a man. What problems have you got right now that one man's going to solve? You're not worried about anything that the whole world will be worried about. You realize when you're talking about that, have you ever looked at how about the Hindu population? You ever look at that? I know you think about Muslims and all, but what about all the other pagan religions that are out there? What about all the Catholics? How are you going to get all them together and wonder after one man? So here's, all, here's just my hypothesis, just something for you to think about now. That if you continue to focus on that, you know what you'll have a tendency to do? Well, the rapture is not going to happen anytime soon. The world's not in complete chaos. Everything's going along pretty good right now. I mean, if the banks crashed right now, your money wasn't worth anything like it was back during the time of the Depression. Uh, there was a big tsunami that hit one of the coasts or both coasts at the same time and a big earthquake blew off in Yellowstone and that kind of a deal. Well, that's just less than a third part of the world. That's the United States. That have anything to do with the rest of the world. The rest of the world probably rejoice. They'll be glad America's getting pounded. They don't care. Doesn't make any difference. They're already trying to distance themselves from your dollar which they're going to have anyway. But here's the, here's the bottom line, ladies and gentlemen. Tell me what, what you would think happened. Now, here's what's dangerous for a believer. You know enough about the Antichrist. You know enough about his name and his number, and he's the son of perdition. He's the king over the children of pride. He's in the bottomless pit, and he's the angel over the bottomless pit. And we know all of those things. The Lord calls him in John 6. He calls him the son of perdition. He calls him a devil in John 6, 70. Have I not chosen you 12? And one of you is a devil. And he tells him that in John chapter number 11, when he said, whoever takes the sop. You say, what is the sop for? Son of perdition. Whoever takes the sop, Right? He it is that shall betray me. And you got John that's there. And John could be a type of the church. Maybe that's possible. If John is a type of the church, then the, he reveals it to the church. And then right after that, everything's said and done. The Lord goes out for crucifixion. And John winds up later on going to the Isle of Patmos. But you pressing a little hard there. You say, why? Now you're looking for some major calamity to occur before the Antichrist shows up. And then you're thinking, well, the rapture might be later on. You want to be careful about watching for signs, wonders, and miracles. Well, always trying to... It could be. It says and. Yeah, but there's a comma. It could be. But everything that follows after that son of perdition, that all has to do with stuff that happens in the tribulation. And Paul goes through that passage when he's revealing the mystery and he's saying, you didn't miss the rapture. And I don't care if somebody wrote you a letter and put my name on it. I didn't write the letter. Paul said, as though someone wrote it from us. I didn't write the letter. Somebody told you that. 
You didn't miss the rapture. Why? These things are going to take place after the rapture. Those things aren't happening. All right. Well, if that's the case, that guy's got to show up. Now, I'll just give you an idea. Maybe the rapture would be the key event that came in that created worldwide calamity, enough that people have no explanation for anything. It's not a germ and wearing a mask ain't going to stop it. And it's not a nuclear explosion or anything like that. Something has now occurred that the entire world has got the shakes over and a guy steps on the scene and says, listen to me, I got the answer. And he has the power to do it with his connection with uh, spirits and fallen angels and those kind of things. Well, preacher, I just, I'm not really sure about that kind of stuff. Listen, he's going to be revealed in his time. The whole world, come to Revelation 13, is going to wonder after him. And if you don't agree with that, it's okay. You keep on looking for him and tell me when he gets here. But I have to be honest with you, ladies and gentlemen. In looking at the thing, you know what that Bible says? That Bible says that uh, the Lord shall send them strong delusion who, who, and that they shall believe a lie, that God will send them strong delusion that they should be alive, who received not the love of the truth when they had the chance. That means that the believers have, been, have had the opportunity and now after that, guess what happens? You don't get a second chance. This guy, Revelation 13, this is in the tribulation period. You don't have to worry about it. You're not going to be here for it. But look at who, what this guy is and what he does. The beast which I saw rise up out of the sea has seven heads, ten horns upon his horn, ten crowns upon his name of blasphemy. The beast which I saw likened to a leopard, his feet were the feet of a bear, so he moves like a communist, they say. His mouth, the mouth of a lion, speaks English, and the, the power, and uh, the dragon gave him his power and his seed and great authority. I saw one of his heads as it were wounded, seven-headed red dragon, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wandered after the beast. They worshipped the dragon. They worshipped the beast. Who was like unto the beast, who was able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth, speaking great blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. He opened his mouth, blasphemy against God, blaspheme his name. It was given unto him to make war with the saints. And those are tribulation saints that are here, 144,000 male virgin Jews, Moses and Elijah, and to overcome and power given to him with all kindreds and tongues and nations, multiplicity of races and conversation, being able to speak bilingual, more than bilingual, multilingual. All that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of the life. Okay, so if he's going to show up, how long am I going to be here before I'm gone, before he starts all that? I'm not trying to be arrogant. I'm just asking you. The whole world's going to worship him? The whole world's going to fall down. Who is like to be? Who's, un, who's able to make war with him? You can't even threaten the guy with war. When he steps on the scene, if anybody says, I'll nuke you, apparently he wipes them out. Pretty powerful being. I mean, if you're claiming to be God, you should be able to do that, right? <laughs> I mean, you should be able to get people to comply. And if they don't want to, you should be able to like wipe them out, right? If you're God, that's what he does. So here's all I'm suggesting to you, 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. Here's all I'm doing and trying to suggest to you is that uh, uh, that mystery of iniquity, it doth already work. And uh, I told you already, you're living in a nation um, that uh, doesn't fear God. And there's no fear of God between our eyes and the eyes of uh, the individuals. There's no, really no difference. People that are lost don't fear Him any more than the people that are saved. So you're ripe for it. 
But when's the rapture going to happen? I don't know. I couldn't tell you. But for me personally, I'm not going to look for a guy to show up because I'm going to be looking for some calamity. Because there has to be calamity to bring him to power. I don't think he's running for the primaries in November. Or it's the guy that's going to step into Putin's uh, office when Putin kicks off from cancer. I don't think it's going to be the guy that they have been talking about that once uh, this last uh, this pope dies, that the final pope is going to come. It's going to be him. He'll be connected with the Catholic Church. I guarantee you that. The Bible teaches that. But my point to you tonight, ladies and gentlemen, is, is that don't spend a whole lot of time trying to figure out who the guy is because he has to come on a platform after a great calamity that's worldwide that takes place, and that's when the guy grabs the reins. I mean, maybe that rapture happens, and as you're going up, then you say, oh, well, there he is. He's already been revealed to you. He's been revealed to you since 90 A.D., there's all kind of things that you know about him. You just don't know what personages he's going to take on and what, what he's going to look like on the outside, what body he's going to inhabit. That's what happened when Satan entered the body of Judas Iscariot. And then after that, they kicked the body to the side and the Antichrist, the, the beast in the pit, he went back to his own place. That's what it says in Acts. He went to his own place. All right, I hope that makes sense to you. Did I give you, the, that's the, yeah, that's his own place. I already gave you that. All right, look at this thing now. Uh, we're going to talk about another mystery here. And this is a great one here because I like to talk about this more than the other ones. And it's the rapture. And we believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. That means we believe that before the, uh, the tribulation takes place, we get out of here. Now, I want to make it clear to those of you that are visiting that we're pre-trib. That doesn't mean that we're pre-trouble. Uh, they're everybody in here and a lot of people that you don't know. You're just looking at them as an outside observer. There are people that are connected with us and people connected with this church and people connected with the body of Christ all over the world that have experienced unbelievable trouble, trials and tribulation. You heard a message on that on, on uh, Sunday about having faith during the time and being faithful during the time of trouble. That's a hard thing to do. What we're talking about is the pre-tribulation. That's the time when Jesus Christ comes. If I had the chart up here, I don't take the time to get it out. But the second coming of Christ is when the Lord comes down and actually puts His feet on the ground. The rapture is where the Lord stops in the clouds. The second coming, every eye sees Him. At the rapture, only believers see Him. There's some differences in those things. And if you don't make that delineation, and if you don't understand that, you'll have yourself in the tribulation period. You'll have yourself out there trying to preach the saints. You'll take the whole book of Revelation and you'll start reading it and applying it to yourself. You'll think the four horsemen of the apocalypse are riding now. And you'll look for all the things in Matthew chapter 24 and 25 to be taking place now. While you'll even quote that famous passage in Matthew chapter number 25, No man knows the day or the hour, only the Father which is in heaven, not even the Son. You ever heard that? The context of that passage has nothing to do with the rapture at all. The rapture hadn't even been thought about, talked about, or anything else. That's before Christ dies. That's Old Testament. They see Jesus Christ dying and they see the second coming of Christ. They don't have anything to do with the rapture. The rapture is a mystery. It's revealed to the Apostle Paul. How could they be talking about it before it was even revealed? 
If you don't get your Bible right, you know what you'll do? You'll read like a lot of preachers are doing right now. I'm not making fun of them. I'm not putting them down. I'm not trying to, to embarrass them. You read Matthew 24 and 25. I just answered a bunch of questions on this. That stuff right there has to do with the, uh, the thing taking place during the tribulation period has nothing to do with you. And not knowing the time that's coming, the individuals down here on the face of the earth won't know. But you'll know perfectly. First Thessalonians 5 said, you say, why? You're a part of it. You're going to know exactly when He comes at the second coming. You say, how will you know? You'll be finished with supper. And the Lord said, all right, saddle up. Let's go. You'll know perfectly when that time is. But you won't know the day of Christ. But you can't quote, no man knows the day or the hour, only the, uh, only the Father in heaven, not even the Son. You can't quote that. That passage is for an individual that's out there that doesn't know anything about the rapture at all. You can know some things. Amen. The Lord said He didn't want you to be ignorant. If you pay attention, you know what you can tell? You can tell when she's getting ready to fly. You can hear the engine starting to crank up. And the Bible teaches you, you know when a woman's fixing to have a young'un, don't you? The breath changed, the breathing gets a little shallow. She begins to pant like a dog looking for some water to drink. And then the next thing you know, cramps begin to hit her. And then all of a sudden, they begin to come from the contractions going from about three or four minutes apart. And then they come down to about two minutes apart. And then they come down about a minute apart. You better be headed for the hospital, boy, or get the midwife there. You say, why? Before long, those contractions, and then they're starting to hit. And then they're starting to hit. And they're starting to hit. You know the baby's coming, don't you? You say, when's it coming? Well, you can't set the clock by it, but you can certainly tell it ain't long. Then that water breaks. Uh-huh. Something's fixing to come out. Right? Am I right? Go put your gloves on. Getting ready to catch. You come out kind of slippery. Be ready. Get your net. Go out the bat. Go out and get the at the bass boat. Maybe I don't want to drop it, you know. So you, you guys, y'all go in now with your wives having the baby. <laughs> I've seen you, man. I've been there. I'm looking in the window. Y'all are like, uh, uh, I'll be in the waiting room. <laughs> Back in the day, they wouldn't let you anywhere around that. They just let you listen to her scream and holler. Now you're going to spend the rest of your life listening to her scream and holler, but you don't have to be there when the baby's being born. <laughs> you know when the baby's coming, don't you? Can't you tell when the Lord about had enough? You say, when's it coming on the world? Don't worry about that. When's it coming on you? If you feared the Lord, you'd be afraid to go to sleep tonight until you got things squared away. Because you think I might meet him tonight. How's that terror going to be? Because after the rapture comes the judgment seat of Christ. It ain't no beam of seat. That's something. You ever notice that? Next time you go to the bathroom, you go to some of these places, you know what the name of that white throne is? It's called the Bema Seat. Ain't it? That's a company that makes white thrones. You contractors, you know, back me up here. Y'all are kind of like, well, I, you know, that's what it's called. You say, what? Well, that's in the original Greek. That's what the Lord thinks about it. What foolishness. A white throne judgment. The Bema Seat. The judgment seat of Christ, ladies and gentlemen, is whether your work is judged, whether it be good or evil, whether it be good or bad. 
And the terror of the Lord there in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5 has something to do with God cleaning you out and cleaning you up of everything that you've done even after you were saved and showing you what you could have done and what opportunities He gave you and you chose to go on your own. And the more that stuff comes up, the more it just scares you to death to think, man, I cannot believe I let Him down. I cannot believe I lived for myself. I cannot believe how minuscule and how minute that issue was and I let it come between me and him. And you'll be digging around in that, those ashes saying, I, I hope I could just find at least a little something to give him. After you see the one that died for you. We have a tendency when we preach this thing to preach it as an escape route. I've preached it that way. As if whatever God's putting us through down here is something we don't deserve. We, we preach it like, I just can't wait to get out of here. Well, I believe we ought to get ready to go to heaven and see Jesus. I do believe that. I, I believe you should be excited about seeing Him. I believe that. But one more day down here is a day to do something to show Him you love Him. Amen. Right? Amen. The Bible says, for all those that love Him, and love is appearing... That crown is there. For what? Paul said, love is appearing. Well, you're not going to love is appearing if your hand's in the cookie jar. The church is too big of a playground nowadays for Christians who are making it into something God never intended it to be. Turning it into a, a political or a popularity cesspool. It's not right. It ought not be that way. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You probably know the passage better than I do. Look, if you will, please, in verse number 51. We usually read this at funeral passages. That's a good time for you to talk about being planted there. And what you get planted as, you don't come up the same way. Every seed comes up differently. Uh, and what comes out of the ground is better than what went in the ground. Right? That's what he's saying to you. It's sown in corruption or sown in dishonor, raised in honor, sown in corruption, raised in corruptible, and sown in weakness and raised in strength and that kind of thing. And then he comes down this and he says in verse 51, Behold, I show you a what? We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. And in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, don't drop your C there. Did you see that? Don't drop the C. We shall all be, don't drop the C. Man, I worked on that joke all afternoon. <laughs> We shall all be hanged. Uh, oh, Brother Berkey. Oh. Okay. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> Y'all remind me of the guy that's out in the desert. and He's been out there wandering around for about 20 days and he's real bad dehydrated. He hasn't got any water. He needs some food. And he goes by and he sees a Jewish guy on the way out there in the road and he's selling ties. And he said, ties, I don't need a tie, man. I can't have a tie. I need some water. I'm dying of thirst. I got to have some water. I need some food. I got to have some food. And he said, well, you keep going down the road here. He said, my brother's got a, a restaurant down the road here. And sure enough, he walks down there and staggers in there. And he gets right into the door. And the head waitress there stops him at the door. And she said, excuse me, sir. He said, I just need some water. I just need some food. And she said, I'm sorry, sir, but you have to have a tie to get in. <laughs> Sorry, that's about as good as it gets. <laughs> My brother's back up the road. No, okay. 
at the last trump. That's not Donald. If it was, then we'd have been gone when he lost the election. How many of you were praying that he lost it? I mean, if, that was, if he was it. I heard a preacher actually get up and preach that. Literally. Pretty well known. The last Trump is Donald Trump. And as soon as he's through, he's the last guy. You honestly believe that book is written in the United States of America at the center of it? What a stupid thing to say. How, how, how ridiculous to lower the pulpit to that standard. Well, preacher, if it's the last Trump, then it has to be Rosh Hashanah because, you know, the ten trumpets of Rosh Hashanah and so on and so forth. You know, Madam Trumpets, you have to have to have a last one. You can have one. It can be the first one and the last one. Right? At most two. One starts and one finishes. It has to be Rosh Hashanah. This is, we're reading here about a mystery that's revealed to the church. It's not revealed to anybody else. It's not Jewish in nature. It's for the bride. You do know you're a Gentile bride, right? You know you're like Ruth in the Bible, right? You're a Gentile. You're a dog. All right, notice what he says. Uh, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. Paul's writing it as if he's going to be there when it happens. Oh, well, it couldn't. The time of great calamity hadn't come and everything else. Paul said, and we're going to be changed. I'm going to be alive to see it. He's planning as if he is. Well, but preacher, we know theoretic. Oh, stop it. Stop it. Paul's writing it as if I'm going to be there the same way he wrote Thessalonians. Notice this, for this corruptible must put on incorruption, this mortal put on immortality, so the corruptible shall have incorruption, this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying, as written, death will swallow up in victory. I've read this a time or two. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, the strength of sin is the law. Thanks be to God, which giveth our victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the business of others. Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, keep, them, keep your accounts up to date. Make sure you keep your profile where it's supposed to be. Always abounding in what? The work, say it again. For as much as you know, your labor is not in vain. You heard a message on Sunday for those of you that weren't here for Bible study. You know what the message was? You're too busy to do what God wants you to do. You took it as you're too busy doing spiritual things. You need to let spiritual things go. That ain't what he said. You're too busy doing carnal things to do anything spiritual. Why'd you take it the other way? Why is the first thing that you drop out on is spiritual things instead of... How come that's the first thing you tell your kids? Let the church stuff go. Well, in light of that passage right there, is whatever it is you got them doing, is that spiritual? Is that going to give them at the judgment seat? I don't know, is it? You decide. Well, I believe it will. Okay, good. Hang your hat on it. We'll see when we get there. Paul says twice in that, that last verse there of, of uh, 1 Corinthians 15, always abounding in the work of the Lord, you will be rewarded in the work of the Lord. So what's the work of the Lord? I don't know. You should be able to figure that out. It's not always preaching. It's not always memorizing Scripture. It's not always what you might think it is. Do you think, ladies, uh, if the Lord gave you that many verses on what it is to be uh, a good wife... Do you think uh, maybe there's a possibility that if you're not a good wife, it might cost you at the judgment seat?
I got two nods. Three now. I'm like, well, if the Lord told you what a virtuous woman is, do you think if you're a woman that maybe you might consider that? Why am I become your enemy? Because I tell you the truth. Men, as many verses as he tells you about earning a living and being able to take care of the woman and your family and so on and so forth, you think there might be a reward for that? You might be doing the work of the Lord if you're providing for your own. Why are you so lazy? Smart, nothing wrong with making a living. It's when all of a sudden the living's making you. No matter how much the Lord gives you and how much you make and all, you're not in a competition or a contest. It's doing what? What I can do so I can be effective for the Lord. Where's the balance to that? It's in your individual lives. My balance is not your balance. You say, why? God told me in a different way and told me what I'm supposed to do. But I can't judge you by based on what I did or have done. Ma'am, you can't do it either. What is the work of the Lord? You know what Paul said? Paul said that you should be careful to maintain good works. You say, why? Because, look if you will, and uh, I believe it will be 2 Corinthians 5, and I'll show you. It's not for salvation. 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5 is one of the definitive passages on the judgment seat of Christ. Now, nobody in here has not been to school and sweated out passing a test. Right? And unless you're a fool, you know good and well, you've got to prepare for a test. I told you about the Baptist preacher and the Catholic priest sitting ringside. And the guy gets in there and he's bobbing and weaving over in the corner. And he gets up there and after he gets done, they get ready to ding the bell for him to come out there and touch gloves and get going. And the guy gets down on the corner and grabs the ring ropes and squats down there and he gets done and he crosses himself. And when he gets done taking the, the cross, the Baptist preacher leaned over the priest and he said, and I ask you a question? He said, sure, man. He takes his stogie, you know, and puts it to the side. And, and he says, uh, yeah, what is it you want to ask me, man? And takes a little drink off of his scotch, you know, and that kind of a deal. And he says, uh, he said, well, he said, you know, I see this guy. I see people doing that all the time. He said, when a fighter does that, what does it mean? <sighs> I don't mean nothing if he can't fight. Some of you, you know what, you're upset right now because you say, well, you shouldn't talk about people that way. Hey, we laid one of my friends to rest at a Catholic church and he's probably roasting in hell. And we went over there because I knew his mom and we're over there. And then he comes with his collar unbuttoned and he's walking around over there, the glass of scotch and a big old stogie. And he's running around like he's at an after party, like he's, like he's uh, partying over having laid our friend to rest. You say, what do you think about it? I don't think he's a disgrace. Amen. Not just because he laid our friend to rest. Tom Sofransky was the guy that got killed. He got shot at 5th and Lee Street. Shot him right there. Took the whole backside of his head off. All over his cage and that kind of a deal. 5th and Lee Street. Fellow sitting in a second story apartment. Just a couple of streets. Anyway. I don't know why I brought all that up. But the bottom line is this, ladies and gentlemen. You get ready to maintain good works, not to please a preacher or not to please a pastor, but to be pleasing to Jesus Christ. The issue will be, why aren't you? Amen. It's in the Bible. 
You're so wrapped up in your personal life and popularity. You're so wrapped up in what everybody else is doing and all that kind of stuff. The devil's got you distracted, man. He's the best magician in the world don't have nothing on him. He's got you over here doing all this stuff over here, worrying about all this and that and the other. And in the meantime, the clock keeps ticking. The clock keeps ticking before long. You know what you're going to do? You're going to look in that mirror and you're going to see a 70 or a 75-year-old man or a woman standing there staring back at you and you're going to say, what in a cat hair happened to the time? And you're going to get up there at the judgment seat of Christ whether we hit the rapture or we don't. Well, you're going to die one day. Soon enough. I mean, I may have 10 to go, if that if the Lord's gracious to me, but if I have 10 and I'm bumping 80 years of age and I'm still standing, I'm, I'm getting closer to dying. What you going to do when you kick off? You don't get another chance when you get there. These people, they have these things called NDEs, near-death NDE, near experiences and stuff. Preacher, what do you think about that? I think John went up there and saw plenty of things. So much so he couldn't describe much of it. Paul got caught up there and he said words in here that won't explain anything. And you have these people that said, well, when I went up there, you know, how many of you went to hell? Did you change your life after that? I mean, if I died and went to hell, I got news for you. My life would change. But you know what the Lord said? You say, well, if that happened to me. It sure changed me. Not according to the Bible. The Lord said, though, one rose from the dead and came back and spoke to you. If you don't believe what's written, you won't believe, though, one came back from the dead. And all I can do is try to put it out there for you. I realized a long time ago, I, I can't keep you from reading texts and emails and, you know, giving the Baptist salute during the time. That used to be checking time. Nowadays, you check your email. And you respond to your text while you're there. You think you're Dick Tracy or something, you know. And you learn how it is. You, you're, some of you, a blind person doesn't have anything on you. You know how to, talk, to use that thing like Braille. That was a meeting a few weeks ago, and there's an individual sitting there staring right at me, and they don't even realize their flexors and their arms moving like this. They're looking right at me just like this. How many of you type? Don't you look at what you're typing? You don't look at the keys, do you? They learn how to do that. You say, why? Well, you do it so much, you know where they are. Just like that, looking right at me. I thought, man, why bother? Why do you even come? Why, what's the, why, why would you do that? Well, you hope something will stick to them, preacher. Yeah, I do. I hope something will stick. But you came, you're already distracted when you got here. And you're going to hit the judgment seat of Christ. The Lord said it's a mystery. You know what He does? He gives you something He doesn't give anybody else. He gives you an opportunity to have your own judgment and your own reward system. He gives you things He doesn't give anybody else. He gives you gold, silver, precious stones. He gives you five crowns. He gives you an opportunity to rule and reign with Him. That's what you get. And you're not preparing for the test? Why not? I don't know what to do to encourage you. I'm just saying, Lord, maybe I should just quit. I can't seem to get their attention. They just don't seem to even care. It's like it's not real to them. It's more real than the backside you're sitting on that pew right now is. It's where you're going to be forever. And you spend all the time squabbling. Getting your feelings hurt and worrying about things. You get up there, you know what's going to happen? The Lord's going to call you up there in front of Him and say, Come here. Come here, children. Let's talk. 
Can you imagine the old preacher getting up there and the amount of people that came against him about that Bible? And I just asked this question just to verify the thing. Can you imagine? You think he's going to walk in there knowing what those people said about the Bible and then he's just going to let the thing go? Or you think the Lord might call him in the judgment seat and say, come here. Right. Now, I want you to apologize. Because you said he was everything and did all this and that and the other and he was a cult leader. And you think he's just going to let it go because you died without it? You better think long and hard. You think you're going to dip out just because, you know, you didn't confess the sin, but you died before it was confessed? You don't think the thing will show up up there? Oh, he doesn't, he doesn't judge our sin. He judges your work. That's a work done in the body. It can't be your sin to keep you from Calvary. I bet he holds you accountable. Why else would he have you confess it? You ain't a hyper-dispensationalist, are you? You sure you want to take a chance and show up up there and the Lord call you out and say, let's talk about the childish things first. I don't want to be in that line. Amen. In other words, you, can't, you couldn't let that go? Are you kidding me? Kind of took some things for granted, didn't you? All right, we'll throw it in the fire. You toss that stuff out there in the fire, and that fire begins to burn, and all of a sudden, in your own deluded mind, you're thinking, boy, she's getting pure now, boy. She's burning blue-white hot, man. I guarantee you, boy, what's going to come out of there is pure gold tried in the fire, boy, and silver in abundance, man, and precious stones, man. I bet it's going to be something. And it continues to burn and continues to burn, and then all of a sudden, that black smoke begins to come up like burning a whole junkyard full of uh, rubber tires and stuff. And it begins to stink and it begins to smell. And the next thing you know, there's nothing left there but ashes. And the Lord said, pick it up and give an explanation. It don't bother you, does it? If it bothered you, you'd do something about it. But it doesn't bother you bad enough. It's not real. If you want to pray for me, you can pray this. You pray that the Lord will give me the ability to make what I'm talking to you about right now to make it so real that it changes your life as much as salvation changed your soul. To make that thing where you can actually see yourself. You don't have to worry about roasting in hell. You ain't going to hell. But if you start viewing things as if you're going to hit the judgment seat of Christ tomorrow or the end of next week, I'd be willing to bet you that whatever it is you're doing, you'll do it as unto the Lord. I just bet you it will. And that's the seventh mystery. And Sunday when we get ready to go, I'll probably start talking to you about the seven resurrections. And we'll get those things going. Preacher, why are you teaching us all the sevens? I thought you were going to go into the book of Daniel. You don't need uh, uh, eschatology, prophetic events, until the basic things are there. We have a lot of new people here, a lot of visitors. We already know all this stuff. Well, knowing it and applying it are two different things. I could argue with you to say that if you know it, then you should be applying it. So I'm going to say you don't know it as well as you think you do. He said a, a steward is to be found faithful of the mystery. That's where your first message started off on Sunday. You're to be found faithful. What am I to do? God considers faithfulness a big deal. You consider it a big deal too. 
If you own a business, you know what you want from your employees? You want them to be faithful to show up every day and to do the work that you'd be pleased with, don't you? Okay, if you're married, don't you want your spouse to be faithful? If you have children, don't you want your children to be faithful? And you don't think God makes a big deal about faithfulness? I get it. It's okay as long as you're in the mix and you're, you're the one that's being faithful toward. Well, how about you being faithful toward Him? I don't always feel like it. Me either. Me either. I, I, I guarantee you, you have to get up at 3.30 or 4 o'clock in the morning. The first thing on your mind is, I, I, I can't wait to get in there and read my Bible. Not all the time. But I have to be faithful to do it even when I don't feel like doing it. You say, why? It matters to Him. You know when it matters the most? When it's not convenient for you. He likes that. He likes to see you pray when you don't have anything to pray about. Did you talk to the Lord today? No, I didn't have anything I needed. Did you read your Bible today? No, things are pretty good right now. Right? I mean, doesn't trouble generally drive us into the book? Doesn't it generally drive us to prayer? Generally speaking? Don't we usually increase our attendance? And you say, why? Oh, we know where he's at. You know he doesn't dwell here physically, but you know where to go looking for him. You see, what are you trying to do? You're trying to get his attention, aren't you? Well, get his attention sitting in your living room. Boy, he sure was right there with you when you were going through the most difficult time in your life, though, wasn't he? But you ain't got time for him now. Never mind, Lord, nail called me. Heavenly Father, I pray you'll